Come and reminisce with us. This is 90s Till Infinity. It's Gav here from the guy who brought you BRL. 90s Till Infinity walks you down the road of the best decade ever, the 90s. Catch 90s Till Infinity on Mixcloud or a radio station near you or find us at 90s Till Show on Facebook and Instagram. Coastal Field, 90s Till Infinity. Keeping it retro. Reminisce with us. It is Beats, Rhymes and Life. And now joining us on the phone is a senior lecturer at the University of Adelaide, seemingly one of the most knowledgeable people about the greatest Australian hip-hop album ever made and uh, the author of a new book called The Calling, which is about The Calling. As I said, probably the uh, single most important and maybe the best Australian hip-hop album ever made. Joining us to have a chat about this book and, yeah, this amazing record, which is turning 20 real soon. Uh, we have Diane Roger. How you doing? Yeah, really good, thanks. Cheers for having me on. Not a problem. The only pause because I almost said Rogers. <laughs> yeah, everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, the, the first question really is, um, how did you get into the scene in the first place? You know, did a bit of a quick sort of uh, Instagram stalk after our conversation and there's some uh, some old memorabilia there. So uh, it looks like you're a scene head from way back. So uh, w- what got you into the scene? Yeah, good question. Yeah, so I'm a big hip-hop fan. Um, so that's really where all my research first comes from. Mm. I'm just really loving hip-hop and being into it myself. Um, so it's a fairly standard kind of story of um, in primary school, just hearing the odd hip-hop song here and there, mm-hmm. but not really knowing about hip-hop as a whole culture. And then it wasn't really until, um, so I'm from a country town and I moved to Adelaide for uni mm-hmm. and that was kind of my first time um, seeing record stores and seeing all these graph magazines um, and having access to so much more information about hip-hop culture. Um, and that was also when I started to go to more events and to see local artists. So initially, like lots of people just listened to US hip-hop, like kind of Tribe Called Quest, LSO, mm-hmm. kind of big 90s classics. Yes. Um, and then through going to gigs, started to see, oh, hey, there's people making music and, of course, the other elements as well um, in Australia. Mm. So uh, what year are we talking here? Yeah, good question. Um, so I moved to uni in 2002. Right. So... so- you're in about the same time as I am. You're yeah. just about that hit that upswing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's why, because I mentioned it in the uh, prelude to this uh, conversation on the radio program, that um, in the end, because I've actually I've, I've read your book, it's like the first time I've read a book in quite a while, uh, <laughs> that, um, and, and it shows, um, <laughs> that we've got a very similar thought process about the scene um so i wonder i wonder if that was i wonder if that was sort of why that you know we sort of came in just before the the australian hip-hop scene 
went mainstream. So I, I sort of mm-hmm. came in about uh, 2001, early 02, sort of uh, was introduced by a uh, a guy, a skateboarder dude at my school because I repeated year mm-hmm. 12 because I wanted better yeah. grades. I ended up yeah. just dropping out of school, uh, <laughs> which was uh, probably yeah, not that smart, but whatever. Um, and um, uh, this guy gave me a, a bunch of uh, the backpacker stuff from the you know from the time, so you know all the Jurassic Fives and that kind of stuff, and you know mm-hmm. all the classic '90s stuff on there. But on there was also you know the, the stuff that's now Australian hip hop classics like. Early hoods, early downside, uh, clandestine, mm-hmm. etc. So uh, that's kind yeah. of how I got into it. I even got to run into run into that guy years later, and um, got to basically tell him in person on a mind site uh, <laughs> that um, he literally changed the course of my life with uh, a couple of burned CDs of MP3s back in two thousand and two. Yeah. So that's how I got in, and um, yeah, mm-hmm. sort of from there. Uh, met some people in the scene in the northern suburbs, and then I was introduced to the guys from Syllabolics from there, and I had to sort of uh, fight through <laughs> a lot of the gatekeepers, which is mentioned in your book, which I was just like, yep, I, I went through that gatekeeping stuff myself. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the uh, the forums, the, the old hip-hop forums, yes. the uh, nightmare that they were. <laughs> so, And uh, my own little forum where I just copped it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, you know, pay the dues, get to a certain point. Um, and yeah, this is all stuff that people that listen to this show already know, by the way. But you know, uh, Robert Hunter uh, put me on at that point, and uh, you know, sort of gave me the the rub of like this guy's all right, and then it just happened from there for early BRL. Yeah. So that that's that's a quick sort of uh, data dump of how the scene worked, at least in Perth. Uh, was it was it the same for you in the early days? It's quite similar. Mm. Um, so I probably had more of a fairly passive role, I guess, in the early days um, and was listening to a lot of music and going to gigs but wasn't really part of the community. Mm-hmm. So it took me a long while and kind of until I started. So I did my PhD about hip-hop culture oh, um, right. through the uni system from 2006 to 2008. So those are kind of the years where I started way more intensively trying to network and trying to talk to people um, and posting about my research on Oz Hip Hop and people saying Mm -hmm. like, who the hell are you? Why are you doing this? What right do you have to write about hip hop culture? So there's always been, I think, a lot of pushback um, and suspicion and part of it comes from being like the academic system, Mm. Um, but also I guess just from hip hop being exploited yeah so there's rightfully a lot of people who feel like hip-hop is kind of used as the latest cash grab um, especially around that time in the mid-2000s because it was starting to become more possible for people to make money from hip-hop so people were quite on edge about who's coming in who's doing what who's trying to maybe take over some of the events or um, to market themselves in particular ways that maybe weren't super organic um, to the scene. So I think there has always been a lot of questioning about who I am and what I am doing. Um, But hopefully people can see, um, yeah, coming from a place of respect and love for hip-hop culture. 
Absolutely. And that's pretty much what I gathered from the book is like, uh, you've come at this like a, a PhD document, but at the same time, it's it's well researched. There's there's a bunch of stuff in there that I didn't know. Uh, I, I thought some of the uh, some of the comments from uh, Disaster, who I've known for yeah. twenty years, I had no idea that um, you know the certificate was literally just a loop that he sent, and he wanted to work on it a bit more. Um, turns out it's still one of the best beats he's ever made, and one of the best that's ever been in the genre. Um, mm-hmm. Which I I think was uh, fascinating. And um, another point that you hit on as well is something that um, has actually been a sort of a, a bone of contention between uh, my myself and some of the affiliates of the organization of the of this uh, little radio show that we do um, mm-hmm. is early two thousands Oz hip hop. Now um, you know it's it's a different world than what it was in the uh, early 2000s. So uh, there is some lyrics in uh, in Australian hip-hop songs. The certificate, by the way, is one of them. I actually had to leave that off of a Digging in the Crate show uh, because um, there, there's some lines by Simplex, which you would know um, something, you know, basically C-word and then um, slur for lesbians and that's all in like one line i'm like i, I can't play this song just because of one line <laughs> yeah totally so um and of course um you know early all's records and that kind of stuff these are by the way these are all records that are you know core memory favorite records of mine but mm-hmm. with a radio ear you hear them way different uh these yeah. times so um coming from an academic background and um the academia is kind of where this has uh, sort of grown, um, you know, uh, inverted commas, woke culture. Um, and I'm not anti-woke culture, by the way. <laughs> we're, we're, not, we're not going into like a right-wing gav here because I'm not. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but um, coming from uh, an academia and and the like, would you say um, how the way – things are being viewed and uh, whatever. Do you, do you look back on, on those lyrics and those songs uh, differently now? Is there a cringe factor to you? How, how does that work for you? Yeah, there is a, a little bit of a cringe and I find it quite challenging. Mm. And I find it also interesting because uh, Funkors are kind of Adelaide classics. I'm yes. from Adelaide. I went to a lot of their gigs. I went oh, to some of their yours. gigs where other people were kind of standing next to me like, die, like, how can you listen to this? Like, why are you, like, listen to what they're saying? It's super offensive. Um, and at that time, kind of the take was, you know, it's just a joke. It's just characters. It's just people having fun. Um, so I think it was super normalised at that time. Um, and now looking back, I think it's awesome we can look at it a little bit more critically um, and think about some of the impacts that might have had. Um, so it was hard for me to write about, mm. especially because I think some people, um, yeah, they love those albums. They don't want to see them um, like some kind of not be able to listen to them or not be able to enjoy them or have censorship around them. Um, so it was hard to navigate that in terms of drawing out what some of the things are problematic about it but also keeping it in the context of that time. And one of the things I say in the book is that, especially Hood stuff, Mm. um, compared to other artists of the era, is very, very tame. 
and yes. it was so normalized um was everywhere at that time and not just in hip-hop so i think hip-hop is often kind of scapegoated as like oh it's misogynistic or it's problematic yeah um, but we see this in everywhere in society oh i've uh and that's the thing these are these are conversations that i've i've had with uh people over the journey of the last especially since the show went national uh is uh yeah that it was like a you know these it's not really acceptable that kind of not anymore and that kind of thing and i was like well you know you didn't have a problem at the start but you know i guess culture changes and i've had to yeah. sort of roll with the punches myself um that you know that being said i have incredibly good memories of listening to all of those old albums but I think there's a reason why those record records, the first two Oz albums, for example, they're not online. There's a reason for mm. that. I, I think that might be purely from the band um, themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I I'm guessing that you know they're they're pro some people might want to distance themselves from early works as well. The early first three Hoods albums are not online, mm -hmm. and Left Foot Right Foot is. Almost as good as The Calling. Yeah, Pretty I love good. that album too. Yeah. Yep. It's a fantastic album. So um, let, let's get to the actual, you know, focus of the book. But I, I thought some of that stuff was fascinating because it's stuff that I've run into and mm. it's also uh, stuff that I, I find fascinating about the culture and uh, we'll get to another sort of uh, fascination of mine in a sec because it's something that you bring up in a book. I'm like, I've talked about this on the show. It's just you worded it much better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> the calling itself, um, you, you break it down into um, sort of like uh, chapters of the record and, um, you know, break down the songs in ways as well. Um, now, it's not in, in like an entire album breakdown. You do skip a few tracks here and there. You sort of focus on the main stuff, yep. you know, nosebleed section, uh, those kind of things. So um, mm -hmm. the, in regards to uh, The Calling, uh, I guess first question is what is actually your favourite album, uh, favourite track from that album? It's a horrible question. Because <laughs> there's I too many? There's, there's too many, yeah. I think that, yeah. When I was writing the book, I was really, because I had to listen to it a lot and was really struck by the variety. Like it yes. is an album with so many different kinds of songs. Um, so I guess there's a song for every kind of moment. Um, probably Testimonial Year is one of my favourites because I just really love that kind of funky, jazzy, low tempo kind of mm. hip hop and just um, learning about their history was a cool kind of aspect of it. And um, it's a good way to kick off and it's interesting that that's the one with the video. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I and nothing else, um, you know, Dumb Enough was the lead single, no video, uh, Nosebleed Section caught on. It's their biggest song. Uh, they, they closed the show with it in the stadiums and everything. That's how big mm -hmm. it all got for those guys. But, yeah, they, that, that's the one that got the video back in the day. And they, yeah. they, they did not rectify that. It's all like, nope, there it is. That's how, that's how video that we did in 2003 and – Nosebleed section, yeah. whatever. You can have a lyric video if you want to make one, I guess. Well, they did. They put out a new one fairly recently for Nosebleed. So it's like a compilation video of different film clips. Oh, right. Not film oh. clips. Um, footage from events. 
Ah, okay. So it kind of replaced because I don't know if you ever saw it that one of that person doing BMX tricks on YouTube was really like yes. the only one for a while, and it has heaps of views. Yes. Um, yeah. Ah, so there you go. They they did rectify that. You know what? I I, I haven't watched a. Uh, Australian hip hop videos on YouTube in about a year or so. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, I yeah, think it was I, only last year that came out, like fairly recent. Right, right. That's uh, that's wild. Um, so, when did you first listen to the calling? Um, did you did you get it sort of uh, week one? You know, you were at concerts or whatever. Did you go to? Um, uh, no. Is there no stores or anything like that? So I didn't, I don't actually know why I didn't get it. I think it was because it took me a little while to start listening to local hip hop. Mm -hmm. So the first big one that I remember was actually Hard Road. So a few years after um, the calling and Mm -hmm. I didn't go to the launch either. Um, So I had to kind of piece together what happened at that launch for the album from some of the people um, that I interviewed. Um, So it was kind of, it's interesting. I think the calling had a really long life, though. So even though yes. I didn't listen to it really in 2003, I think it still was kind of having an impact for quite a few years after that. So it was more so through the hard road that I then kind of went back to the calling. Absolutely. And um, having, having I had a, a very unique experience with that one. Uh, I was starting to get sent mail out cds at that point so uh, obese oh. and whoever was staying to send stuff to me but i was yeah. living in forbes new south wales at the mm-hmm. drop of the album so i think i got it a few weeks early as like a, a radio advance but i got it sent to this country town in new south wales uh so my first experience of that record is uh jumping in a 93 barina and driving from uh, back from Forbes to Parks to, to listen to the album at, at the back end of a, like a, 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 you know, I think it was some kind of end of the day. It was like sunset and this perfect time. And uh, I do still distinctly remember parts of that drive and uh, hearing, uh, you know, hearing the certificate, which is my favorite track mm. on that album. Um, it, it was just yeah. just the one that instantly I was like, "What the hell is this?" Like the rest of the album is uh, amazing, and you sort of have different moments. That's the one that sort of grabbed me by the lapels and went, "This is a classic. You, you need to pay attention yeah. to this record." That would be, that, I'd say, that's my personal experience of hearing that album first. But the same as um, uh, Clandestine's Dynasty, which is my number two favorite album ever, and uh, I got that around a similar time. Um, a mm-hmm. radio mail out they they sent me a copy you know because i've been a clandestine fan since oh, not day one they were around before mm-hmm. i was around but uh yeah biggest clandestine mark anyone knows and i and uh, think recently i had a chat with uh mortar at an event and he's like you might be the only person who's a clandestine fan that's left <laughs> 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 last one last one <laughs> And I will well, there's really good representation from Syllabolics in the book. Um, so there is. Jazz in the book, Layla, mm-hmm. um, and Tomahawk. Yeah, yes. so that was really awesome. Which, which um, Tomahawk being the interesting personality that he is, like the way he presents as this dark figure and all that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, like interesting quotes and uh, a lot mm-hmm. of history there. And I was like, oh, 
tomahawks in the book. That's wild. <laughs> I just yeah. That was that was interesting. So um from from the yeah, the the quotes and uh, whoever was in the book. Uh, I know it's going to be uh, once again a horrible hard question, but uh, who was among your favorites of uh, people who gave you information? Like, what was some of the stuff that blew you away? Yeah, that is a hard question. Um, I really loved <laughs> talking to some of the journalists was really interesting. Hmm. Um, so talking to people like Mark Pollard um, and Josie Styles, DJ Josie Styles. Um, she's a good, she's a good egg. I like her. Yeah, I've always liked her. Because I think because um, they themselves help to document hip hop and have been doing interviews themselves, um, so I think they have that kind of zoomed out mm-hmm. perspective um, a little bit. Um, I really loved so Raphael from Terra Firma was really cool to hear yes. about actually kind of being there doing the recording. That was awesome mm. um, to hear about. There's a lot of people interviewed who went to the launch or to went to the big Theberton Theatre show, which is the one um, that's filmed on the Calling Live DVD. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting as well, just to hear kind of firsthand what it was like to be at some of those massive events. I'll share a, a story that was uh, around calling time, uh, but maybe a little bit before, because I can't remember the date. I, lo- I thought of looking up when this was, but there was a an event yeah. in Perth called Word Wall. It was uh-huh. 02 or 03, and the hoods were headlining after the, the battles were done. I was actually judging that night. Why you would get me <laughs> to judge Ryan Battles? <laughs> okay, you're the dude from the radio show. But I'm like, I, I couldn't tell you who had the better bars or better structure. I was like, oh, how'd the crowd go? I, I don't know. Either way, we I can't even remember who won that. I think it was Knowledge Bones. Um but then the the boys came on and they they did their thing and uh they were on stage. The show got shut down <laughs> because there were idiots like me hanging off the speaker <laughs> <laughs> during the course of the show. And, yeah, they shut it down early and uh, kicked everyone out of the venue for that no. night. So um, yeah. that's, that's an early Hoods moment. Um, yeah. It was one I, I I wish I remembered to share with them because the, the only other mm-hmm. time I've actually met them in person was last year where um, I, I got invited to go uh, to the show and got in backstage, you know, through some connections. It was actually uh, Trials from Funkles no. and Navy Original who sent me an email, said, yeah, come to the show tonight. And cool. I was coming back from a FIFO swing. I went, uh, okay, I'll go to the hoods. I wasn't thinking of going, but why not? So yeah. uh, got met them backstage. I wish I remembered that story. It's like, yeah, that was probably a reason your show in 2002 got <laughs> <laughs> down early because yeah. I was being, and it, by the way, no alcohol in my system. I was just excited and uh, jumping around on stage with everyone for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wild shows. Well, I think, yeah, it's really common. Like there's, if you look at some of the media I've read for the book, um, kind of people hanging off the rafters in the ceiling and climbing up in silly locations seems to happen a fair bit at hood shows. Yeah. It, uh, I've, I know what it's felt like. Ah, it, I'm, I'm going to, everyone's jumping on stage. Why don't I do it as well? Because, you know, yeah. I was, I think, 18, 19 at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and obviously, things are a lot more uh, big and handled much better. And, you know, security is a lot tighter. You know, if they're playing yeah. Perth Arena or, um, you know, what, what's the main stadium in Adelaide? Uh, Entertainment Center. Right. Right. So, yeah, they would probably play that. Mm-hmm. They could probably do a yep. decent job of filling up Adelaide Oval, to be honest. They probably could. Yeah, I reckon they could too. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so uh, this this um, this paper, yeah, well, not paper. This this book um, of yours. How long did it take to sort of um, put together? Is this like a, a years of a labor of love? You know, you being sort of a, a hip hop head since two thousand and two. Yeah, so it took about a year. Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, from kind of early archival stuff to doing all the interviews. And then the final writing up um, of it, yeah, I'd say a year's about right. Uh, Is is, is it going to be a book on early Australian hip-hop culture? Is that what you're uh, building towards now? So I don't know if it's going to be a book or what exactly it will be just yet, Um, but from this kind of emerged, it's really clear there's so many important stories about the history of hip-hop. And so what I did when I did the interviews is I asked people if they wanted to do just a short interview only about the calling or like a longer interview about their memories of hip-hop and how they've been involved in hip-hop across their lives. So some people did these much longer, like one to two hour um, interviews. Mm. And I'm still doing more and more. Um, It's just a matter of um, because I teach as well. So I teach anthropology, the study of people and culture, I'm um, right. at Adelaide Uni um, and then bring a little bit of hip-hop culture in there, which I think people are often um, surprised by. But that's really what I have to do full-time and then do research on the side. Um, so I've got quite a few interviews I still have to transcribe and send back to people. Um, but then once I've done that, I'll be looking to, yeah, get back out and do some more interviews. Excellent. So uh, we'll post that information as well so if anyone out there is uh, wanting to get involved and you've had uh you know at least some form of uh influence or whatever in the australian hip-hop scene over the last like 30 years let's say you know um yeah i'm sure you'll be able to vet <laughs> people that <laughs> you know be like oh hey i, I you know yeah, there's there's people in the you know, australian hip-hop and like all scenes that might sort of claim they've done things that they haven't so you know Mm, that's true yeah I'm keen to talk to fans as well though too yeah Mm. so basically if hip-hop has been important to you and is part of your life um yeah then you can chat to me about it absolutely I'll put my hand up for one of those chats I've had a I've had a good time yeah that would be fantastic yes I think most of mine is just centered around this silly little radio show which is uh now you know in a spare room uh by the way as you can see uh-huh. in the background uh, yeah they're calling <laughs> great yeah uh, so i thought i had to uh definitely buy that when i saw it on ebay i was like mm, yeah top three favorite record you know be- as i said best australian hip-hop record yeah. ever made it hasn't been surpassed there's been some fantastic records but even the hoods themselves it just they they hit some kind of rich vein that nobody's been able to hit ever since, mm-hmm. and it seems like that might be the case for everyone. Although I think maybe maybe a, an audience that heard uh, the Hard Road, for example, might actually have a bit more of a softer spot for that record, or maybe someone who jumped on around about State of the Art or something like that. Maybe, but mm-hmm. it, it's the calling, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> The calling is, you know, the album. It's what started the upswing. It's how come they're doing stadiums and, uh, you know, other people are, you know, playing small venues. It's yeah. Just, I think they, that they they're just, yeah, I think they're too humble about it. Yeah. So I think they try and downplay it a lot. 
Um, but I think it's has a massive significance. Yeah. Would you agree with me that they're now probably the most successful Australian band of this century? Oh, yeah. So not just hip hop, but in, in entirety. Yeah, because yeah. they've they've had a longer run. Um, it's been twenty years of mm-hmm. essentially them being uh, not the biggest in two thousand and three. You know, th- there would have been yeah. bigger groups like a a Wolf Mother or a, you know like a Eskimo Joe or someone like that. You know, sort of taking yeah. an upswing. Jet in two thousand and three, something like that. But mm-hmm. sustained success and having number one albums all in a row. Mm-hmm. Who's mm-hmm. got that? Tame Impala yeah. doesn't have that. He doesn't release enough music. Um, yeah, well, I think they recently surpassed Powderfinger. Yeah, they just yeah. went past them, I think, for the most number ones. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it'd be hard to argue. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, this is why <laughs> this is why your book was like, no, I, 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 I feel this book. I get it. It's on an analytical level that I'm with you. <laughs> So yeah, no, it's um been absolutely a uh, a core part of my Australian hip hop life is basically a, a lot of that record, uh, for sure, because that's the sort of kickoff point of the last twenty years of the genre. Uh, yeah, a couple more questions before we uh, wrap up here on the program. Um, today in Australian hip hop, very different scene. Um, as we mentioned, um, you know, it's also a very different world. You know, we have a lot more ladies and a lot more ladies actually, you know, charting and on top of the scene, your, your Barkers and your Sampa mm. the Great, who you mentioned in, in the record and that kind of thing. Um, and of course the uh, diversification of the genre as well. So, um, how do you uh, see that as, do you see that as uh, ultimate growth? It has, has it sort of affected your listening? How, how do you see that? Mm. I'm not as up-to-date as probably I should be. Um, So I'm one of those classic people that gets stuck in their old playlists and listens to all the old songs and doesn't necessarily always... That's um, half their show. (laughs) I know, yes. So it's hard. Um, I think one of the things I try to stress in the book is I think hip-hop in Australia has always been really diverse. Mm -hmm. It's just about kind of who's been getting the commercial success and more exposure. So I think um, it's important to stress um, there's always been women, there's always been First Nations people, that especially there's always been people from um, really diverse cultural backgrounds in You mentioned but Downside, Friends of yeah. the Show. Yeah, like yes. they, they were uh, mm-hmm. one of the most diverse groups around at even yep. back then. Um, you know, they all different, all three, all four different members with uh, ethnic backgrounds that are completely different to each Mm -hmm. other yes yep yeah so i think i'm always a bit suspicious when i see articles being like now hip-hop is diverse um so i think that's maybe become a bit of a stereotype about hip-hop um but yeah it's cool to see new people coming up i know probably more of the adelaide people than nationally yes um so some people who i've been listening to is um ben iota Formerly from Adroit Effusive has a really cool kind of lo-fi hip-hop thing um, he sends happening me stuff at the all moment. The time. Yeah. Good dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ty Ha has a really cool album. Another friend of the show. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yep. Um, and I would also shout out like that press record compilation that came out. Yes. It was really fantastic. Yeah. Another one that they sent me. <laughs> <laughs> 
There we go. Yeah. And I really like um Kultar's track on that is a really great song. Absolutely. So uh, no, there you go. Um but Actually, yeah, you're right in that way. And um, I've said it for years. Um, she's featured in your book that um, you know, Layla was uh, so incredibly far ahead of the game. And if she came in now, she would be as big as Barker, Sampa the Great, any girl rapper that you can think of. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, she'd be right up there. And uh, that's that's a forgotten record. People do not talk about that album enough, but she hasn't released anything in 18 years and probably won't ever again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've seen people, uh, I've seen some action on it in, are you part of that Oz Hip Hop vinyl Facebook group? There's uh, been lots of interest in it lately on there, I've seen. Yes. Um, so maybe people are starting to kind of recognise how important it is. It's, um, it's yeah, it's, it's a wildly important record, um, especially uh, for the uh, the term femsies, because uh, she kind of broke mm -hmm. through that. And uh, you know, it's I, I still think it's the uh, best Australian hip hop record. Uh, now it's going to sound Texas and Rubert by a lady, <laughs> but uh, it's in my yeah. top five ever. Um, and and uh, and also kind of weird that I've always uh, you know been kind of shy around her. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've held her in such regard uh, but i think it also is like the the mysteriousness because you know she's not at shows or anything like that she tends to keep to herself yeah yeah so i'm like no you you've uh you've earned my respect over the years layla <laughs> <laughs> um so basically what you know what's really left is um yeah some quick plugs and um we should tell people how to you know, uh, grab this uh, book of yours. It's uh, not available in hard copies yet. It will be soon. But um, if they want to sort of uh, grab an ebook and have a read on the phone or whatever, how do they get it? So the publisher is Bloomsbury. Um, so bloomsbury.com.au. Yeah. So hopefully the oh, soon the hard copies come in October. Um, but the ebook is out there now. Absolutely. Uh, and if you're an Australian hip hop fan in any way, and you are because you listen to this program, it is absolutely well worth a read because it uh, goes deep on uh, not just that album, but you sort of uh, spread out a little bit more about Oz hip hop and how it sort of uh, it shaped itself in the last 20 years. Mm, and I guess I'll just add um, there's a hardback, which is really ridiculously expensive. Right. So don't buy that. Buy the paperback, which is a much more realistic price. I just say that because yeah, I don't have any control over the prices and I think, yeah, some of the academic book prices are really silly. Um, so if you want to get it, ebook or paperback is way cheaper All than right, the hardback. So get the paperback, folks. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, thank you very much for your time on the program and the podcast here on the show. And um Thank you very much for your time, Diane. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really cool. Dropping EDM, hip-hop, and a bunch of best beats programs around. If you want bangers, you'll be in the right place with Tune One. Tune1.com.au. That's tune, the number one, .com.au. Tune One, proud show sponsor.